Welcome to Q&A, a deeper dive with Sam Holm and other guests as we dig deeper into the sermon content each week. Yes, welcome, welcome, welcome to A Deeper Dive. I'm Mark Presley, and I'm sitting here with Sam Holm, and we have been walking through in the church through Mark, the book of Mark, great name. Uh, Yes, Mark. Someone in the choir actually dared me to write, so you never know, Sam, this may happen. They write the gospel according to Mark Presley, and to write on your, because you're using your TV, to write the word Presley. So maybe on the last slide this week, I'm going to, someone look for that. But um, as always, we're here to kind of discuss some of the topics of the sermon. Maybe we'll even get into some other stuff uh, on this episode, but I'm so glad you joined us. If you want to uh, ask us a question, which we got a few this week, some after the service, and then someone actually texted one in this week, uh, and you're getting back into the habit. If you're doing a New Year's resolution, I hope you are still doing that resolution. This is your little sign to go keep going strong with that. But uh, we're in the middle of the Book of Mark. Chapter 3 is where we were at this week. If you want to listen to that sermon, firstmckinney.com slash on demand. If you want to send us in a question, I think I just said it, but question to 96123, you'll get a prompt and follow that through. Uh, As always, we'd love for you to like, share this one, especially share it because we do want to kind of get this message out. This is a chance for Sam and others uh, to kind of dig deeper and go a little farther than we can in the 30, 35 minutes. If Sam's preaching, maybe 45 minute sermons. Uh, you never go 45 minutes. I hope not. No, I this bet. week it was 3705, I think, according to with all the stuff I put before and after. So you're probably right at 35 minutes this week. But. And I included the conclusion of the service in that. You did. Also. You did. But but we don't armchair quarterback the <laughs> sermon. We just go a little deeper. So, but why don't you, speaking of that, uh, kind of walk through uh, what you talked about this week? Yes, so we are now in Mark chapter 3. Uh, in Mark 1, we saw Jesus call his disciples, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. From the beginning, his plan was to multiply through his disciples. Uh, follow me, and I will make you fishers. We were made to multiply. Chapter 3 uh, helps clarify a question that comes out of chapter 2. And so in chapter 2, we saw Jesus calling Levi, and he said, I came not to call the righteous but the sinners. Uh, So does that mean that the people who are closest to Jesus are people that are just sinning all the time? Uh, Well, um, I'm sitting at the table with two perfect people, right? Mark, you've (laughs) never done anything wrong. Uh, It is the gospel according to Mark. There there you go, right. Um, So no, uh, Jesus, right, he calls people that understand their need, that they realize that they're sinners in in need of Jesus. But in chapter 3, he says there's someone closer than family to him, and it's those who are actually doing the will of God. Those are the ones that you can look at and say, hey, I know that those people are close to Jesus. So yes, he calls sinners to repentance uh, as they follow him. They're those that are walking in obedience to him. And so then we talked about the tension there. And what does that mean? That's how they're saved. Uh, how do we know? Uh, well, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. You're going to fish for men that, that understand their need for Christ and that will follow him. So I wanted to start this out uh, the best way I could. Uh, since we were talking about Jesus' family, you know, brothers, sisters, he was. I wanted to ask you, who was the craziest relative? You have like 13 brothers. Is that right? How many brothers do you have? 
Uh, not 13. Uh, I have four living brothers, five that I grew up with. Oh, so it's not seven brides for seven brothers. Right. The thing. But yeah. who is the craziest of all the... No, I'm kidding. I'm not going to force you to do that. They might be listening. <laughs> and you're not going to ask me, although I might say it's my brother, uh, who I have three sisters, but I wouldn't say that. Your brother's now around in our church. Yes, and just he, moved next to, back behind, backyard he neighbor did, to He you. did. I, yes. If you didn't know, I have a... A brother that bought the house right behind us, and currently there is a ladder that goes up and over the fence. So the cousins that the, can have fun. Yes, because they're all about the same age, which means I look out and I see a ladder in my backyard. Which, That's awesome. But I am the crazy uncle in our family. So, and, and on that point, crazy uncle, right? Family is such a big deal. I know for you, uh, you focus on family. Like that's one of the things that was really a, a, a driver for me as I looked at the text this week. That that Jesus was able to point to his family and say, "Those are not the ones closest to me." Uh, and one of the questions that we got this week, a question texted in, was related to that. Why don't you read that one and we'll, we'll Yeah, start. and they were actually, I was going to say, they're doing the reading plan mm-hmm. because they said they read this. And our reading plan towards the end of Mark will actually line up more with the sermons. It wasn't the first, and, and we tried to make it, but it's hard to find a reading plan through version that works together and does all that. But We're, we're going to catch up with you. We'll, you'll catch up with us. But this person wrote in, and if you want to do the Bible reading plan, you said in your sermon, but firstmckinney.com slash Bible. Yes. Uh, and if you're reading that, in, again, encouragement, like I said at the first, keep going. Finish yeah. this out strong, and then we'll get into Daniel, and, and we'll start looking at another reading plan. But finish this one strong. Um, but here's the question from the Bible reading plan. Text it in. How did Jesus' brothers not know he was the Messiah? And with the story of his mother's pregnancy, you, you know, it's that rare, um, probably a story they would tell. How, how from that... Did they not clue into that? So I, I don't think they didn't know he claimed to be the Messiah. I don't think that they didn't know that their mom said, yeah, uh, I didn't sleep with Joseph uh, before Jesus was born. I mean, I think all of that was present in their life. But, I mean, I, if if your brother said he was the Messiah, he's a, he's a good guy. He's a follower of the Lord. I mean, he's being used in ministry in powerful ways. Like, you don't. So, uh, John chapter 7. Yeah, there's you, no way I'm believing him. <laughs> right. Uh, and if, if, let, let me dive deeper in the text. Like, here's, here's where we see it in what we read this week. Verse 21, And when his family heard it, they went out to seize him. That word seize, like to arrest him. For they were saying, and again, diving deep into they, initially when I was reading the text, I thought that they was referring to the crowd was saying. So they were trying to arrest Jesus to protect him from the crowd. But the they, in the original language, is very clear. It points back to his family. They were saying, he, that is Jesus, is out of his mind. Uh, The word there literally means he's beside himself, and it's what they would use to refer to a lunatic, right? So they did not yet believe he was Lord. We know that after his resurrection, his brothers did. James, Jude, some also point to that, that, and they were not only believing he was Lord, they considered themselves his bondservant, right? They were ready to give their life to serve him and to die uh, believing he was God. But at this point, they, they did not. James, again, John 7 uh, makes that clear. You can go back and read John 7 about his brothers. I don't think, I told you all this on Sunday, maybe, and maybe it's more clear in one of my sermons than the other one. Uh, I'll always Each hour is always a little different. 
Um, but in verse 21, Jesus' mother is not mentioned. She is mentioned in verse 31, and it doesn't say that she was saying that specifically. As you look at Mary's life, I think it's clear that Mary did know who Jesus was. She's the one who had the encounter with the angel, who had supernatural conception. She's the one who, before he had done any miracle at the wedding, says, hey, do whatever he tells you, and he's going to fix this problem. I think she was a believer all along. Um, but that, does that help? I hope for the person who's listening right now. Again, the, the question how did Jesus' brothers not know he is the Messiah? The answer to that is, I think they knew he claimed to be, and that his mother thought he was. But I mean, you yeah. said it well, I think, putting yourself in there. Now we can look back, because we saw him, you know, as we read, saw him. We weren't there physically, but saw him die on the cross, raise again from the grave, yeah. three days later, all that. They don't know that. That's and right. he's saying that. So I picture my brother or one of my sisters walking up and saying, hey, and and he does all the right things. He mm-hmm. says all the right stuff. You know, he is perfect. Um, and and he's, he, I don't know if he's the favorite. Um, we have, well, I won't go into the favorites in our family and, <laughs> and where we sit on the totem pole. Um, for, you made Andrew smile on that. That was a good one, yes. Yes. But um, it is it is interesting to see because I think they did, because he talked about it. Yeah. I mean, he, he went as a young kid into the synagogue. That's right. And you talked about that in your sermon for a little bit. You hit mm-hmm. that snippet that um, he went in there and said, this is my house. This is my family. So right. he was probably talking about it. We don't really have those writings, um, you know, of, of what he was doing as a young kid. But he had to talk about it. Mm-hmm. So just inferring that yeah. um, upon there. Don't want to add to the scripture, but just saying that. Okay, throwing you a curveball because I know you got asked this after the service. Yes. So it wasn't a text in question nine six one two three, but um, it was someone came up to you. You talked about a story at the first. It made me laugh. How you got a daddy daughter uh, trip to Dinosaur Valley State Park, and my dad was a geologist. Yeah. Uh, had a, actually had a PhD in geology. Look at that. He was nice. he was the Doctor Presley. Now my brother is also a Doctor Presley, but okay. um, but he was the Doctor Presley. But. Um, where are you on dinosaurs and the Bible? Yeah. Totally curveball to the sermon, but you were asked that because you went to Dinosaur Valley. Yeah. And if you haven't been there, there are some dinosaur footprints. Uh, there's also a great safari there you have not done. We mm-hmm. talked about that off air. But mm-hmm. um, where where do you stand? What's your thoughts on dinosaurs and the Bible? Yeah. So I'm going to jump and come back, if that's cool. Because yeah. usually when this question is asked, and the question on Sunday that was asking that question really was wanting to get to the the point of, do I believe in young earth or old earth? Okay, I believe you can believe in dinosaurs and believe either. I also believe you can believe in the complete and full authority of Scripture and believe either. Like that, that the whole Bible is infallible and all of it is true and believe either. I also believe you can believe that science... Uh, any truth will lead us to the truth. You can believe that science is true and believe either. I really do believe that. And so uh, similar to what you were saying, you had a dad who was in science. My dad uh, was president of wildlife and fishery sciences for A&M. I grew up with a dad that would teach us God's Word all the time. We'd have family devotionals in the morning and the evening. Like I was overkill, like with just getting a, a, a father who loved scripture, a high view of scripture, and actually believed old earth. 
And when I went to seminary, my seminary professor, who was teaching us from the Bible, it was a very conservative seminary, actually believed it was a higher view of Scripture to not try to interpret Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, both complete literal. Why? Because Genesis 1 is written poetically and has already a different chronological order of creation than Genesis 2. And when we study in the Bible other places of Scripture that it's very clearly poetry or very clearly a parable or whatever, that he, his argument was it's obvious in his mind the point of Genesis chapter 1 was a beautiful poem telling us that God created the earth and he created all of it. I don't believe in evolution. Uh, I, I believe that there is... Um, What's adaptation. The, adaptation that happens in life. Yes, I believe. Again, God, geology background, adaptation. Yeah, yeah. Now, so I'll say all that to say uh, one of the fun things for me right now is I have a daughter who's growing up being taught the science behind young earth uh, in a, 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 a private Christian school. And then we've also invited into our church. People have taught creation science young earth. And so it's been fun for me to learn and see the science even behind the young earth view. And so uh, I don't believe that I know the right answer, and I also don't believe this is core to the gospel. Right? I think that's the key. We were talking about this before we started. Right. Focus on the major, not on the minor. Right. I think that's the words you used. Yeah. And so, yeah, this is the way some, some people I think will jump on this and they will major in a minor. I agree that some will say, hey, if you're going to start saying, hey, this part of scripture isn't important or it's not true or not accurate, then you, you end up on a very fast, slippery slope. If you, you start throwing out any part of scripture. So, what I'm arguing is, is, is not that we throw out Genesis 1. You, you need to to see that Genesis 1 was written differently than Genesis 2. And if you actually try to put a chronological reading on Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, then they will conflict with each other. So you need to read them the way the author originally intended them to be, written or read. And that actually gives a higher view for the authority of Scripture and helps you see that Scripture does not conflict with itself. Now, you can do that and believe young earth. Too. So, uh, what's the point? God created the world. It was good. He made man from nothing. He created us in his image, and it was good. And then what happened? We, in a perfect environment, we rebelled when we were tempted by Satan. We fell, and God, even from the beginning, promised that he would send someone to crush his head. Now, so back to the original question. I went longer even than I intended to there on where I think that question leads. Uh, do I believe in dinosaurs? Here, here's why. Again, this is a minor. I think you can believe different, and that's okay in Scripture. Uh, but I actually think it actually gives a higher view to Scripture. So here's why from the Bible I actually believe in dinosaurs. Uh, Paul says God is not a God of confusion. We have these skeletons of these huge animals, uh, and we, what's the argument? Okay, well, they didn't exist. Well, why would God put them there if they didn't exist, right? So I don't believe God is a God of confusion. I think the skeletons show that something was there, and God's not trying to confuse us. Second reason I believe in dinosaurs is I actually think the Bible refers to them. Uh, Job, uh, referring to the Leviathan, and, and so, yeah. 
there's I think there's places where we see even in Scripture these huge animals being talked about. Uh, they, could they be talking about fanciful, f- fantastic beasts? <laughs> they could. Uh, or that was a movie, by the way. Uh, yeah, whatever it was came out wrong. Uh, or mythical, real animals, mythical. mythical. There we go, mythical. It could be. I mean, there's parables in scripture, right? It could be mythical, or they could be referring to real animals. So, and I think again, the key is hopefully this doesn't hold you up yes. to worshiping here because it's not the core. That's you know? right. And we and, and we talked we, about this way back in Romans. Yeah. And people in the church that actually believe differently on that issue have actually really been helpful for me and my faith in the last few years. It's not a major issue. We need people that believe different sides of that to help us to learn from and and to push into our faith with. So yeah, so that was that that was a question uh, that came in online, and then the question we just addressed. But uh, one more in your sermon, yes. and I want to ask you this to kind of explain it. Uh, and that means you don't want to explain it. Well, <laughs> okay. <laughs> there's two. There's a couple words in here that are actually hard for me to say. Yeah. Just. Uh, uh, for like whatever reason, too many vowels, too many consonants in a row. But blasphemy—that's a hard word for me to say. But blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, and I'm—I'm I'm just opening it wide up to that. We didn't get a question in, but you asked—you mentioned that was a hard verse to explain. So I want to give yeah. you again this dive deeper, a little time to explain yeah. blasphemy against the Holy Spirit and the unforgivable, unforgivable sin. Sin. I told yeah. you it's all hard words <laughs> for me to say, so I apologize. Yes. So, yeah, verse 29, one of the more controversial scripture passages. See, but you're struggling with controversial. <laughs> I can't even. Yeah, there you go. It's amazing that I cannot communicate and I am supposed to do that in front of people. So y'all are patient with me. Thank you, church family. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. What does that mean? Well, here's what it doesn't mean. Okay, because you need back verse to 28. So back up with me just a second. Truly I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the children of men, and whatever blasphemes they utter. So here's what it doesn't mean. If you've done something wrong in your past, uh, that, that, that sin is not forgivable. Uh, it, uh, it just, it, he has just said all the sins will be forgiven the children of men, and whatever blasphemes they utter. So it does not mean that if you said something wrong, if you use God's name in vain, if if you, uh, yeah, if you've done like you've you've lied, still cheat. What what are they? Lies, lie, cheat, and still, or you dated girls who uh, st- who cheat, do. lie, and who yeah, whatever that is. Yeah, uh, all of the yeah the the hierarchy of whatever that people Update, will say. We can't say phrases either. We can't yeah. talk today. We can't say yes. whatever the phrases are. And God will forgive you me know. for that, right? God <laughs> yes. will forgive me for not being able okay, to say that. Okay, keep going. I'm yes. off track. Keep going. So praise God. We believe that we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus alone. It's not what we do that saves us. What we do actually damns us to hell. That's why Jesus had to come and die to forgive our sin. So what does verse 29 mean? Whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. I think you look at what Jesus is addressing here. The scribes, who were his academic family, who were studying the Bible and watching what were going on in Jesus' life, they saw him casting out demons and healing people in front of them. 
and they were saying, and as you look at verse 22 and verse 30, this was not a one-time event. It was something that was continual and continuing to happen. They were saying, he, looking at what Jesus was doing, empowered by the Holy Spirit, they were saying, he is possessed by Beelzebub, uh, which was the prince of demons, okay? So what does that mean? Uh, Here's what I believe it means. What's the unforgivable sin? When someone recognizes the work of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit, and then continues to respond with blatant disrespect and defiant hostility, which what blasphemy means, blatant disrespect, verbal blatant disrespect and defiant hostility, that person is not going to be forgiven. Again, they're seeing what Jesus has done uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit, and they're continuing to respond to him with blatant disrespect and defiant hostility. Is the key word there continuing? I think that's a very key word, because he just said right before it, whatever blasphemes you uttered in the past will be forgiven. Uh, so, But then he refers in verse 29 to something that's different, and then it says, verse 34, they were saying, not they said, they were saying he has an unclean spirit. So I instead of my study for this podcast and, and looking at it and that question in particular, they even talk about Paul. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the authors I was reading talked about Paul mm-hmm. and how he blasphemed. See, I can't say the word. Bla- I can't say the word. Anyways, Blasphemy, yeah. Yes. Uh, against, you know, who he, yeah. and he was forgiven. Mm-hmm. So is that an example of That's absolutely- it, he didn't quite take it far enough? What? Yeah. Talk me through that. So I think, again, that refers to uh, the point that we tried to get to in the sermon that I also think is what Jesus, um, there's a sandwich here that Mark was wanting us to see with Jesus's not just academic family, but his immediate family. They show back up and they, and, and the, the crowd tells him, hey, your, your family's outside. And he said, no, you want me to tell you where my family is? Those that are sitting right around me, which is where his disciples would have been. And then he says these words, here are my mother and brother, whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. And so then we talked about, so bear with me, I'm, trying, I'm going to tie it back to, to blasphemy, hopefully even better than I did on Sunday. He, 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 we talked about, hey, does that mean that the people doing the work of God are those who are saved? Yes, but we're not saved by doing the work of God. And so we put the faith, salvation, faith, right, works up on the, on, on the screen. It's when you drew it. If, yes, if you go back it. to watch or listen to the sermon, yeah. he actually drew this illustration out. Yes, I drew it out. And uh, Justin had shown me a video last week that was helpful for me and had much of that in it. But so some people think, uh, yes, you believe faith, but plus you must work in order to be saved, right? So yes, I need to believe, but I also need to never blaspheme against the Holy Spirit in order to be to be saved because that's not forgivable. No, okay, no, that's that's not what the Bible actually teaches. Uh, the Bible does say, right? Jesus did teach in his first sermon in the New Testament, whoever says to me, Lord, Lord, is not going to be in the kingdom of heaven, but those who do the will of God. Well, that doesn't that mean I've got to do the will of God to be saved? No, the Bible doesn't teach it that way. The Bible says, for by grace you are saved through faith, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for it's not of works, right? It's, it's not of yourself, right? It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But then it goes on to say, for you are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. So the, the works are not what saves us. The works show us we, out, we are saved, right? 
So, again, what does this mean? How do we tie these things together? Jesus is saying, you want to know how you know that people are in my family? Uh, whoever does the will of God, right? You, you can look, they've repented, and they're seeking to follow him. Do I do that perfectly? No. Did his disciples do that perfectly? Absolutely not. Peter, the one who's Mark's source, denies Jesus three times, his greatest time in need. Not perfectly, but they were seeking to do the will of God. What's happened? They're not continuing to blaspheme the Holy Spirit. There's been a turn, right? Which is what we talked about in Mark 1 yes. when we were there. It's it's taking that turn. It's salvation. And uh, I think if I was on the social media, it's if you know, you know. That That's the phrase that's going around. If you know, you know. And you can tell by their actions mm-hmm. is what you're trying to that's right. say. That's right. And it is, I, I also, uh, the, the, well, yeah, as you, and you've read it and you've studied some, even get ready for the podcast. Some will point out, I mean, just the, the blatant act of God to show himself to the person. And uh, as some will say it's attributing the work of God to someone like, to, the, the God would reveal to you what Jesus has done through the power of the Holy Spirit. And then you say, no. When that happened for Paul, he's on the road to Damascus. Jesus revealed to him, and he says, "Lord, Lord." And then you know he goes; his eyes scales are removed from his eyes. When it was revealed to him, he turned. Right? That's not happening for these anyway, scribes. We know it happened for many scribes. So, So, uh, what I love about the Book of Mark, besides the name, is uh, that. It's it's literally you and we've talked about it even here. It's a sports center. It's highlight after highlight after highlight, um, and kind of as we wrap up today, uh, we're we were in one section, and and next week we'll jump into another parable. I I know because uh, you're changing up the way you're doing sermons a little bit. We're trying something new in the new year, and maybe in a couple episodes we'll talk about that. Yeah. But um, talk about what you're going to be speaking about next week. Yeah. So we we now uh, we're going to go into the next few verses. We move into chapter four now of Mark. We're going to see the parable of the sower and the seed. And uh, we're going to ask this question for us as a church um, coming out of COVID, uh, not just coming out of COVID, a lot of people looking around at the church in the West and saying, hey, it, the, the, what's the future for the gospel? Like, it looks like people are running away from the church. Does that mean they're running away from Jesus? And it's interesting, this parable, Jesus is going to save. Some people are going to reject Right? There's, what's the future of the gospel? Rejection, right? Now, there, there's also going to be persecution, and people are going to fall, and, and there's going to be distraction from wealth and stuff, and, and then, then finally, there's going to be radical, supernatural multiplication, like 30 normal fruit in good soil would be like 15 times of what the seed was. He says 30, 60, 100-fold crazy multiplication. And, and we, and, I, and if you're part of our church, don't miss Sunday. If for some reason you've got to travel, please jump on. Listen, we're going to kick off a month-long season of showing you what we believe God is leading us to as a church so that we can multiply, be good soil for the kingdom, and then also challenging you to sacrificially step into that season with us. I can't wait. It's going to be great stuff. So we're going to, just to give you a little logistical information for those of you insider 
tips and all that that are, are listening to this podcast. We are, um, we're going to stay in the book of Mark through all this, but our branding, all that might change a little as we there, as we're um, diving into a little bit of this multiplication, multiply stuff that Sam will talk about starting this week. But we're going to stay in Mark, and we hope you'll stay in Mark with us as we as we work through. And I think we're there all the way up to Easter. Yes. And looking at his resurrection on Easter Sunday. But again, thank you for joining us. I'm going to give you the last word here in a minute, but I do want to remind you, uh, be sure to share this. Uh, I know we hit some very tough questions, uh, two or three there in a row, that, that are a little tough for people to hear, but we hope you'll stick with us. And if you do disagree with us, text in a question. Let us yes. discuss it some more. Interact with us. Iron sharpens iron. It helps both of us, uh, and Andrew's even here listening, being the quiet one, helps us to uh, grow deeper in our own faith as you question some of those things. And again, what's the core? It's it's leading people to Jesus, yeah. you know, and discipling others and making disciples of those. So that's that's our goal out there, and we hope you'll join us. Like, share. If you have a question, text question 96123. And if you want to hear last week's sermon and his trip to Dinosaur Valley, uh, uh, be sure to go firstmckinney.com slash on demand. It was also a good sermon beside that story. But I'll give you the last word, Sam. There is a real kingdom and a real king. His name is Jesus. He is the Christ, the Son of God. In His love and by His grace, He loves you so much. Jesus lived a perfect life, died in our place, and rose again. Repent, believe, follow Jesus, and be part of His kingdom now and forever. Thank you for joining us this week on Q&A at Deeper Dive. We hope you'll like, subscribe, and share this podcast along with others. You can submit your questions by texting QUESTION to 96123, and we'll discuss those each week. Again, thank you for joining us.